if you listen to this show, you're probably like me in that you try your hardest to avoid anything but leading with value. And I think we've developed some pretty good mechanisms on how to do that with this relationship flywheel concept. But at the end of the day, at some point, you're going to have to reach out to somebody that you don't know that well. And that's why Jordan Crawford's methodology of outbound via pain versus persona really, really stuck out to me. In this episode, he gives a bunch of really good contextual examples of how to do it. He describes the mindset of how to do it, the process of how he accomplishes it, and the tools that he uses so that you can do it yourself. This was really fascinating to me. I just re-listened to it and I'm like taking copious notes of how I'm going to implement this into your business. So I'm sure you're going to want to do the same. This, as you can tell, is a live internet talk show. This is what we do out here, right? Like we're not just creating content, we're creating content engagements. And I would love to engage with you. If you want, just go to the show notes subscribe, not subscribe, you know, like go in, register for a show. It'll show up in your calendar and you can just show up on a Monday at 4.30 and be a part of the show. And right after we go into our relationship-driven growth strategy session. So normally what's happening on these shows is people come and listen to brilliant guest speakers like Jordan, get to interact with them. And then we stay on for about another hour where members of our community are asking for advice me and my partner Esar are giving advice and just sharing on everything that we are doing and what we're seeing across our customer base as far as like content strategy and how to reach out to people, how to build um, shows and stuff like this. So stick around till after the interview if you want to hear my number one takeaway after re-listening and where we're going to be for the next couple of conferences. But what I would really love is for you to sign up for one of these live shows and just show up one of these days so I can interact with you and see you live. So, without further ado, the super brilliant, super funny, and surprisingly good-looking Jordan Crawford. If you know how it is, then you know how it might be. But think what it would look like if you grow your own community. It ain't easy. That's why you're listening to hear experiences from others just like you and me. Welcome to the B2B Community Builder Podcast, a show that was started because if you can unlock the power of having a community around your business, then you will create a source of referrals, validation, marketing content, and product feedback that will be unbeatable. But who has time to think about building a community when you need to be making sure that your team has what it needs to succeed in serving clients and bringing in revenue? That is why we'll be talking to business leaders like you and I that have cracked the code on why the community play is so valuable, how to implement tactics that got them there while still serving short-term goals, and what they can teach you that they have mastered. This show is for you if you are a CEO, CMO, or simply a rainmaker that has realized that without a community, you are just a commodity, but haven't figured out how to add it to your infinite list of priorities. This show is for you if you are a community professional or trying to be a community professional that is trying to convince leadership about the need to invest in a community strategy, this show is not for you if you think transactions are more valuable than relationships. I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder of BeTheStage.Live, a marketing company that specializes in relationship-driven growth. I invented the relationship flywheel and hopefully. I'm your new best friend. So smash that subscribe button, leave a rating when you do, and get ready to plug into the power of community creation for business development. Let's go. We're officially, we're live right now. Season five, B2B Community Builder Show. <laughs> I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez. Uh, and today we have a, a very interesting gentleman who I heard on a podcast as, as I'm sitting here being all obsessed with persona and what am I going to do about my ICP, this guy just drops into my earbuds talking about how persona is not the thing. It's pain. Pain is what you want to market to. And as I get to know them, I, I find him more and more interesting, more and more amusing, funnier and cooler. He actually gets better looking in my eyes as well. I just found out that he has like seven businesses that he's running, all profitable, lives in the Bay Area, and he pays $18,000 a month in rent. Jordan Crawford, welcome to the show. 
Wow. Uh, this is a two truths and a lie, but those were five lies and no truth. So <laughs> thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful. And I'm looking forward to this kind of unscripted conversation here. I don't usually, usually people just listen to me blab. And so I'm really grateful to be able to interact with folks and help like solve real problems today. So that's, that's, thanks for giving me the opportunity. I'm just really grateful. Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you queued that up because my community that comes to the show on the regular knows that this is a community driven thing. I want you chiming in here in the chat as you've done. I want you in the Q&A. If you want to come on screen, ask Jordan a question, I am very, very willing to do that. And we post produce everything. But first, we start with a roll call. You ready for the roll call? Yeah. All right. Roll call. Ryan's in the chat already. Community manager wishing everybody a welcome. We got Jen Filson, who is the fairy godmother of the Not Your Average Investor Show community, another show that I host. We got Scott Marker, a, a, a gentleman with a very compelling book about the death of sales coming out. He is a member of the Peak community that you're also a member of, right, Jordan? Mm-hmm. We got we got Lee Bishop, also a member of the Not Your Average Investor community. He's a, we call him the MVP over there, and he's turning into the MVP here. We got Don Bates. She's just an Oxford PhD candidate. No big deal working on human rights and, and some of the toughest stuff all around the Americas. Good to have you, Don. Uh, who else? We got Pratiti, Pratiti Pathak, my, my good friend and buddy. She is a realtor and a life coach out of uh, the uh, Pennsylvania region. Good to have you in the house. And uh, I think that's what we got so far that has checked in in the roll call. Either way, whoa, John Clear, Ireland, new to this gig. John Clear is a category design visionary, man. I'm loving John's uh, posts on LinkedIn. Really, really well written. John, do me a favor. Switch from um, host and panelists to uh, everyone right above where you chat so everybody else can see whatever genius you're about to write next. And uh, welcome to the show, my friend. Hope to Hope to see you around here. So now, Jordan. I like to kick off the show kind of talking with let's let's tackle the the elephant in the room here. Right. This idea that at first we were talking kind of like technical marketer talk of personas, not, you know, pains, not persona. But at the end of the day, as as we were doing our onboarding and 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 talking about how we are, how we're going to approach this conversation, really, you are. I saw this and I positioned this this show as better outbound. Right. So can you kind of tell me what this has to do with outbound sales and reaching out to people that we're about to talk to here? Yeah. So I think that the the way to think about this problem is that the way that we're doing outbound today, uh, it's wrong on both ends. On sort of the one end, sales reps are writing individual messages one to one. And they're talking about things like, hey, Jordan, I see that you're into football. I'm into football too. Isn't football great? And Oh, by the way, I have this B2B SaaS solution. Like that. So that's like kind of the one way where it's like really personalized, but it's not about the problem. And in the other way, we're saying, hi, Pablo, me, 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 do you want to buy my shit? Like, it's all just about me and what I do. And hey, didn't, don't you want to listen about the problems I have? And I think both ways are actually, it's a false continuum that we have here, which is like, on the one hand, we talk about things that are about the person, not about the problem they're solving. And on the other hand, we sort of scale the message. So I think that my sort of approach is is to ignore either sides of, of those problems and instead focus, how can you identify companies that need you now? Love that. Love that. Jen Filson says that you have identified, you have captured her LinkedIn inbox perfectly. So I think <laughs> I think you are right now doing what you say, right? You are speaking to a pain instead of instead of talking, oh Jen, you're in Monterey Peninsula, very beautiful. Buy my stuff. You're saying blah 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 blah. You're experiencing this pain in the world, and I may have a solution for you, right? Is that 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 that's how it works right there, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and ideally you want to quantify that. Uh, pain for them as crisply as possible, and then one of the challenges in doing this is a lot of a lot of folks think about company as the primary targeting criteria. Right? I have this company now. I have to find a person, and then I have to figure out what to say to them. But you can actually invert this targeting challenge and instead say, "How do I identify?" the problems in the world, and then figure out which companies have those problems. So kind of invert your thinking here. And Google is a great place to do that. I mean, Google has actually already structured the world for us. So I'm happy to like give an example if that would be helpful to help people kind of crystallize this. You're really good at this, man, because that was my next question. <laughs> great. So let's like talk about something that's like a little bit outside of my wheelhouse, which is like a paving company, right? So they they redo parking lots, right? Like 
so random. And so who needs a new parking lot? Well, you might think, okay, well, let's go to the largest lots. Let's look at folks that are in, you know, go buy data, find who has the largest lots, look at when the property was, you know, was created, then go find those, you know, go score those lots, right? And so you might do that with Google Street View. You might use machine learning to be able to do that. That's like going to take a lot of work. You got to download that list. Then you have to figure out sort of what those lots look like. The inverse way to do this, to identify who has the problem is go to Google image search and search for insight. So I I think it's like, I forget the exact like query, but it's like, you can search just yelp.com and type in potholes or pothole in the parking lot. And what will now come up is are all of the Yelp photos where the parking lot is so bad that people posted a picture of it and they're like, this sucks. So now you have all of the Yelp profiles of businesses where people have posted potholes. Now you know where the businesses, where the parking lot is so bad that I can structure that pain and then reach out to them and say, and you could even take this a step further, right? You want to quantify pain. All right, you have 50 reviews, 10 of them or one stars that mention the parking lot, your average review will go up to 4.5 from 2.2 if you just fix the potholes. And did you know that when businesses have a four-star rating that their traffic increases Y or Z? So that's an example of kind of what this inversion thinking might look like. Super powerful, right? And the chat is, the the, the chat's lining up with that. So, so your brain, I guess the genius in the... First of all, you've created a SaaS tool that does this for Series A, Series B companies that that finds this like in a scalable fashion, right? If, uh, that's what Blueprint is. Yeah. So what what I do specifically is so that example is not something that, that I would right. do. It's yeah, just yeah. an example of how to think about this. But yeah. we actually are scraping job descriptions to identify this these pains. So we're looking at the entire market, monitoring for their jobs, looking how long the job is open for, saving the text so we can help query the text for those key moments of pain. So things that are in people's job descriptions, which you might not sort of realize is people say, you'll be the first SDR leader. So people that are hiring their first SDR leader are going to have challenges that other folks don't. You'll know, are they using Salesforce on the back end? You'll know what other types of technologies they're using. You'll know what departments work together, right? You'll have an understanding, are they opening an office in APAC? Are they opening up a sales motion in APAC? How do they have a RevOps team, for example? And so you can sort of start to do pattern matching against when you see existing customers usually use us when they have this problem. How do we find those folks at that exact stage in the market? And so we'll help you kind of bucket those keywords to say, wow, these are the accounts that seem to be struggling with these types of problems. And then you can take that research directly to them in a message across channels. Super smart. So then so then you've, because your brain works like this, you've kind of figured out the most scalable way to scrape a readily available data source, which is job postings, right? That, that, are, that are a clear pain thing, right? When somebody is hiring for somebody, it's because they're lacking something in their company. And then on top of that, it has this other rich data because they're, they're forced to be descriptive on why it's happening and what your role is going to be and, yeah. and your day-to-day and whatnot, right? And that, that now becomes a solution for SaaS companies that make those jobs easier for whomever is going to handle it, right? Or or maybe makes a, a supervisor able to do the role of what five people were going to do. Now it's maybe just one person plus this software kind of thing. And you can and you can target that way. Yeah. And I want to say something about that. This is not about replacing that person. It's not about saying hire my software instead of this person. That's not, that's not a way that sort of people behave, but like, let's just talk about different ways that you might sort of use this data at scale. Right. So one of the things that we're testing out is actually matching a a job description to a person. So I can say, Hey, Pablo, I think I bookmarked what used to be your, what used to be your job description when it was open. And I see that you just started this company. It seems like one of the things that you're going to be responsible for doing is creating case studies. I noticed you don't have a case study site. How are you going to create a bunch of case studies without the sort of support of you know, a video team or whatever, if you're doing video case studies? Another way that you, you might kind of think about this data is like, I have a friend that sells you know, the phone numbers, right? For cold calling. Well, how do you know which companies cold call? Well, they talk about it in their job descriptions, right? They'll talk about in sales, you'll have to cold call. So if you're targeting organizations that cold call, now you know. I had another guy that reached out that said, hey, Jordan, we help TikTok 
folks that are doing TikTok ads. I'm like, I'm not doing TikTok ads. Like you just wasted your effort on me. So you might want to build a list of companies that are actively not only just using TikTok, but who's exploring TikTok or who's exploring other channels, right? So maybe they're hiring someone that says, try new channels or explore new channels or try other ads, ad platforms, right? And now you know that these people are actively thinking about, wow, my pipeline is really drying up and I need other ways to find who to to target. That's brilliant, man. So I I would love to invite anybody that is here in the audience. If you want to pop a question in the Q&A or let let Roanne know in the chat a way that we can contextualize this to you, or if you have a way that you would like to apply this stuff, right? Jordan's Jordan's head, you know, he has a software solution, but his head clearly works this way as he proved with that Yelp example. I'm going to, I'm going to get a little bit selfish and ask you for some advice for me, right? So if, so what we are doing, right? Like we are producing shows like these, right? Like we are, our belief is that most marketing companies are able to build some pipes infrastructure that allows you to like serve up ads and measure them and like do SEO stuff, right? Like they're real good at doing like the robotic algorithmic things that, that allow you to kind of capture demand. But when you want to generate demand or when you want to fill those pipes, you need some kind of like efficient way of, of creating content. And on top of that, you also want to be building relationships, right? So like our, our idea that the best way to create content is not just a asynchronous podcast, but it's this kind of version of like, I get to meet a really compelling person that could also refer me some business and, or I, you know, I'm happy to be guilty about association with you because you're so smart while I'm also building a relationship with 10 people that just showed up in the chat here and getting to know what they're about and getting some of those, some of that feedback you know, that as a, as the center point and how you position those things and how you execute it so that people start showing up and then repurposing and distributing is the, is the product that we sell. And we find that our ideal client a has is normally a company that really cares about culture, right? Like they're, they're the, if you're going to shine a light on people that know you and create a community and let people interact, it's always good to not be a jerk, right? So it's people that care about culture and treat people really, really well. And we also find that they're probably in the like the 10 to $100 million kind of like revenue range. And we find that if they have given a stab at trying to produce content on their own and it hasn't really worked out for them, they're more likely to then be like, oh, okay, you guys actually have a formula for this thing. We are willing to kind of like ride this thing out and, and follow this path because it is much more proven. And they've also hit before on another marketing channel, right? Like it, like they're, they're used to winning on marketing. It's just like no longer working as much. Right. So that's kind of how I would, if I were to target by persona, that's how I would target. Right. How would you, how would you recommend I think about this? Yeah. And you already have a lot of this structured understanding in your head. Like, you know, you know, the problem, you know, the companies that are most likely to buy, right? It's just that you go to Zoom info and you can't just say, I'm looking for companies that care about relationships and community and social selling. Like, can you give me that list? It's like Zoom info doesn't do that, right? So let me like reiterate some of the things that you just talked about and then tell you data sources that you might use to infer this, right? Awesome. Um, So let's talk about who has done the podcast in the past, right? What you're talking about a pain, right? Someone that has tried to produce this, produce shows on their own and they're like, boy, this sucked, right? So one way that you could look at that is just look at all the orphaned B2B podcasts. What are the companies and associate them with companies? and say, okay, right. Let's look at iTunes data for the last five years. Let's like search for keywords like B2B, et cetera. So you could do this in Google. And then you can look at last published date older than 2020, right? So I'm looking at just pull me all the podcasts here that include these types of keywords. So you know that they're going after your types of audiences and they haven't published a, you know, a podcast. So that's like one way that you could look at this. You could also do the inverse too and say, how do we identify people that understand social selling or who understand the value being on a podcast? So you could look at which uh, are which titles of mine have been on more than one podcast. So there's data out there. I can send you some links to that will actually track podcast guests. So you can say, all right, give me the people that have been guests on a lot of shows and they understand the value of being a guest. And maybe they're going to be more amenable to starting their own podcast. You can look at who is attempting to get other channels, which we talked about earlier, right? Who is like expanding into other markets channels. And one way that you might do that is look at who mentions social selling, right? They're going to talk about these types of plays that aren't uh, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. They're going to talk about more of these sort of community 
if you talk about things like who has a culture, well, that's a particular, like, let's actually like unpack that. One thing that you're going to need to do if you want to scale some of this outbound is that you're going to need to be able to give that to an engineer and outsourcer and define what culture is, right? So this is where you have context. You know what culture means, but you need to now define that for someone that can go score a company based on that. So like, for example, does that mean like paternity and maternity leave? Is that culture? Does culture mean a learning budget? Like we see that a lot of job scripts you have a learning budget. Does it mean like that you have a culture page, right? Where you talk about your culture and your job descriptions. And when you, when you sort of dive in a little bit deeper, what does that culture look like? Is it a culture of learning? Is it a culture of testing? Is it a, you know, what, what does that mean? And so when you start to combine these types of things, you'll start to see domains bubble up here where they have maybe they already have a B2B community. They care about relationships. They're talking about social selling. Their leaders have been on podcasts. They are actively spending money on other paid channels. So you start to get a clearer picture about is a domain an A domain for you, a B domain or a C domain? And the next thing that you're going to have to do is test to try to find that moment. And how can you identify public signals that identify that a company is like really ready for what you do today and now? Got it. Smart. Okay. All right. And then you mentioned something else that is in order to scale this motion, you said to I have to I have to get an engineer that can score stuff. Is there do you do you have like a recommended way of of building out that kind of like skill set in-house or hiring for somebody or what that looks like? Yeah. Well, so there's two ways that you, the the first way that you should think about doing this is just an outsourcer. I mean, you don't need to hire an engineer usually to get started and probably a a clever way to use Google. So if your audience goes to clay.com slash Jordan, you'll get access to one of the tools that I like to do that will allow you to Google search individual domains. So you can say in a spreadsheet format, so you can say, I want to just search hubspot.com for slash integrations. So does HubSpot have a integrations page? And you, you know maybe those are companies that you work well with, folks that have integrations. Or you talk about culture, right? Like I want to look at hubspot.com slash careers. And do they talk about paternity leave? Or do they talk about a learning budget, right? These keywords. You have to sort of figure out what are the first bets you want to take by pain and then go look at them manually. And then you can have an outsourcer do some of that. And some of it, even with like like that clay tool, you can run programmatic Google searches and start to identify these folks. But you need to come up with theories first and then go test them. Then you can buy data to scale it or remove your contacts and hire an outsourcer to help you do this in larger chunks. Oof, that was a golden nugget right there. I'm going to have my team clip that and paste that across all my social media channels. So if you could just give this a pause right now Go into the show notes and connect with me on whatever platform you like to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you want to be a part of my life in connect with me there. I'm going to share that clip and you can share it with your friends so that they get the same lesson. It'll be adding value to their life. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the show. If you haven't already hit five star review, right? You don't have to leave a review. You just got to hit five stars. If you want to leave a review, cool. And maybe send the episode to your friend. That would be awesome. That's it. I'm done. Back to the show. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. So shout out to Jordan Ogren, who says that you are the goat and also shared the clay.com slash Jordan link. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Jordan. (laughs) Great, great (laughs) name, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I said. I was was like, he's got the goat name, right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He also has a a question in the Q&A and he says, what mindset shifts do I need to make to have success with this approach? Outbound targeting by pain, not persona. Can we anoint Jordan to the chat here and uh, we could just talk? Yeah. Jordan, why don't you uh, unmute yourself? If you want to come on video, just uh, be part of the conversation, man. Wow. This is crazy being on stage with Jordan. I never thought I'd get here. We've already done this, Jordan. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. know. Thanks, Pablo, for bringing me on. I'll make this quick. But as I'm listening to you, it's definitely very tactical, but I'm just thinking, and maybe I missed some of it, but like what mindset shifts, like what do I have to think differently about or what do I kind of need to change my beliefs about to kind of really make this work? Because like inbound marketing, like you can do it, but if you kind of have certain mindsets in place, like it just doesn't work long-term. So do you see any mindset shifts needed or is it really just purely tactical? 
Yeah, well, so good good question here. And I think one of the mindset shifts is you need to think about inversion thinking. So the way that a lot of folks will think about targeting or messaging is if I can just say the right thing to Pablo, even though he doesn't have a stomach ache, I can sell him Pepto-Bismol. And it's like, no, there is nothing that I can say to Pablo to get him to buy Pepto-Bismol. He doesn't have a stomach ache. But can I sell a knockoff version that I happen to have that's like not the great version if I catch him when he has a stomach ache? You're damn right I can. And so you need to think about how do you identify... And Google is a great resource. Like Google Advanced Search is one of the greatest tools that no one ever leverages. And I don't know why. So like, how can I identify the companies that are at the right inflection point for my product. And I have a, an acronym here that I'm just deploying. So it might be memorable, might, might fall by the wayside, but it's CatCat. And so it's like, you need to think about how do you identify the companies that uh, are, you need to like not focus on? So inclusion, ex- exclusion criteria. ABM is really important. So they need to start seeing you everywhere. Title, how do you know for sure that you are targeting the right titles? Your company is going to tell you it's VPs of marketing every day, but the VPs of marketing may not be responsible. And you can just search again, like Google jobs for this, right? To understand who's responsible for your metrics. The next cat is channel. So don't go after engineers and email. It's like not worth it. They don't, the engineers hate email, like send them a, a GitHub request or something. GitHub. I say that wrong. I say it wrong. It's GitHub. It's Get, it GitHub. 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 I do it every time. Approach. So these are the two things. So once you get the, the first cat and the first C done, then you have a good understanding about all the things that you should and shouldn't focus on. The second, the AT here is approach and timing. So what's the approach to get someone to respond to you? And that's not... Hi, Jordan. I'm I'm Jordan. I know everything. Fucking respond to me, right? Right. And your approach to me is like, hey, Jordan, do you want to promote yourself? Fuck yeah, I want to promote myself. I love talking about me. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter that you're like, hey, I've got three people to watch. I'm like, I don't care. I talk about me all day long. So like, that was a good approach, right? And that's how that's probably going to be number two. And then timing. Like, how do you identify the right time? And this is, you know, if you swing too early, you strike. You swing too late, you strike. Sometimes you might hit a single. Sometimes you might hit a double. But that's what you need to experiment with because it doesn't matter. Like I was looking at G2, for example, and I did a reverse image search to try to identify someone that commented on a competitor and said, this thing sucks. I hate it for these 15 reasons. And it's like, that might be a great time to reach out. But then they said, fortunately, we've switched to another solution provider. So it actually doesn't matter. In this case, they hated a customer success software. And they're like, I hate it. It's the worst ever. It doesn't matter what message I send to that person. They're locked in for another year. So you really need to think about how can you reduce the number of variables that you're testing and really feel confident, right company, you're hitting them in multiple channels, you know the title, you know the channels. And then as a sales rep, you're, or, or if you're building stale systems, the thing you want to get right is what's the right approach and how do I test timing to make sure I can get folks at the right time? Wow. I got way more than I asked for there. Thank you, George. I like that new yeah. cat cat. That's great. Yeah, cat cat. I'm, I'm, I'm a dog person. So it's like kind of unfortunate that that acronym came out the way it came was. But yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. Sticking gotta, with me. At least. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Great. Well, thanks, Jordan, thanks. Jordan Ogren, since we have you yep. here on stage, man, and you've clearly followed Jordan Crawford around at least once before, what is it about this message that, you know, like, what do you do? Give us some context, right? Like, what do you do? And why does why does his message resonate so much so that maybe folks that are trying to like contextualize it to what they're doing? Give us the pain that that stroke out to you and Jordan's message. Well, first, I'm I'm a marketer, so I always just I fascinate over sales how salespeople think. Obviously, there's so much overlap, and I'm at a kind of a startup, so we're trying to market our SaaS product, and I think that's the main issue is who you know is the right person or who's going to buy it. And when you don't have as much data, you can't really do tons of these things. But I just think it's very fascinating of this different look at who do we target. It's not personas, which is a marketing thing that has generated and has created, I think, terrible things. But, you know, focusing on the pain that your solution solves, and then if your solution doesn't solve pain, you have a, a bigger problem than like creating 15 personas out of HubSpot's free tool. Can, so that's, it's kind of where I've fascinated on Jordan. Can, can you talk about what your company does? Like give us the, give us the one liner and then I'll give you some okay. examples of way okay. that you might think about this. I mean, you're a marketer, oh, do some sales. Come on, let's do I some know, sales. Let's, let's hear about it. We did. Yeah. Jordan did this on my podcast as well. He made me do the real role play. So here we go. So my talent planner is the software that we sell. And it's essentially a tool that helps leaders kind of 
do talent planning, which is this new category we're creating, which is creating a talent plan. So it's a plan for your talent, but it's essentially attached to your vision, your strategy. So we want to be here in three years. We need this group of people or these, we need to remove these people from the bus, put these ones on. And it's just a tool that allows you to do your strategic vision, your strategy and your talent, talent plan. So obviously the leader is that person, but it goes much deeper than just the leader title per se. But do you need any more Jordan or? Yeah. Well, when, when do people need a talent plan? When are they like, Oh my gosh, we have hired too much. Or it's like, Oh my, like, this is terrible. If we don't know what to hire and when we're going to be in big trouble. I think one is if you obviously have like a decent strategy because you've got over like that hurdle of like, Hey, we're kicking ass with the strategy. It's just, we don't have the right players. So we're having to hire, you know, leadership team. And that's obviously like large costs and large time or, yeah, I think it's obviously like the pain is that you have to make a hire or you're developing somebody internally rather than having like that already made up a succession plan for them. Yeah. Well, so let's like just talk about some ideas here that m- might help you quantify this. And by the way, this is not a thing for sales or marketing. It's really a thing for any growth team. And so like, I, I want to break that shift. Like this is only for sales teams because this type of targeting, if you do it right, the message comes for free. So you can actually talk about their problem. And if you talk about their problem, we found those ads convert five to 10x better than sort of traditional ads. Even if you're talk- targeting the same company, right? Because you're talking about a thing that they're like, oh yes, that is me. And so for example, in your case, I might look at how do you identify C-suite titles that have churned very frequently? So like if the company over the last like six months has churned a lot of their C-suite, you know that probably there's some, some challenges in talent planning. You might look at fluctuations and like LinkedIn sales nav will show you ads and gains of people. So who has the wildest fluctuation in both directions? So not just growth, but also layoffs, right? So it's like, you know, that they are, that they're having some challenges here. The other way that you might sort of have an understanding about which companies are lacking in a talent plan is like, what is their ratio of employees to people in HR? right? Do they have a thousand people and then one person in HR? So that person is like drastically understaffed. They can't develop a talent plan. My guess is that fast growing organizations, fast growing organizations could either cut one of two ways. Either they're just like growing faster than they can control and they're hiring people sort of willy-nilly or they've already developed a great talent plan because they know they're hiring. So that's something that you may have to sort of compete with is like, and one of the things that you might look is like, what do their current job postings look like versus their historical growth? So if you see an organization that hasn't really grown at all, and then they are hiring, they have a 30% increase in listings of their jobs. Now it's like, wow, you can even ping that off against the fact if they have any jobs that mention a talent plan or mention like the types of roles. So now you're like, wow, Jordan, you haven't really grown in the last six months. It looks like you're about to 5X your staff. And I noticed that you you aren't thinking about, you know, in your job descriptions, you haven't mentioned anyone creating a talent plan. Like it seems like maybe it's time. Wow. No, that's really good. I'm over here just taking notes, getting a free <laughs> consulting session. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, free consulting. Yeah, as long if there's more people, on, if it's a Zoom, it's free. But if we do it one on one, then it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna cost. Oh, yeah, it's gonna that. cost. I, I, I'm learning a lot myself, Jordan. What do you when you say you can peg a company to how much it's grown? How are you figuring out growth numbers, or you know how would how would you figure that out? Well, I mean, there's there's a handful of proxies for this. Uh, so Harmonic.ai has data on historical employee growth. Apollo will give you growth by department, I think. So you can filter, say, just give me everyone that has, has increased or decreased in the people department. So maybe you look at people that have laid off in the people or culture department. So now that they're trying to do more with less. Traffic is another good way here, depending on the vertical, right? You might look at similar web has really great traffic data. There's a company called data for SEO.com. It's like the, you know, you can tell it's the cheap version of similar web. So just by the name, but it's really, really cheap data that I, th- I think there's, I don't know, I don't know how they're getting it, but they'll have traffic data too. And so you might sort of combine these to say, well, I, I'm, my data, like I have jobs data. So it's like, I can tell you who's hiring. Harmonic can tell you what their historical growth has looked like. Apollo can tell you by department, and then you can look at traffic data. So you can kind of combine these things and say, wow, they're really a fast. And you might even look at an increase in sales and marketing specifically to know that they're about to invest a lot of money in sales and marketing on top of the other growth metrics that we talked about. Super interesting that you have all this. By the way, Jordan Ogren, I'm going to put you back in the audience. You're good? 
Appreciate thank you. you. Yes. Thank you, you guys. Coming on. That was awesome. Are you like what the tipping point book calls a maven? Like, how do you have this just like rattling off of lists of different tools that do different things? Do they all have like backend APIs to your product? So you've researched that or how, how are you finding all these different types of tools that give you this information? Well, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and it wasn't built by one person. So I am just the, uh, you know, I'm talking about it, but I didn't invent all these tools. Like I just know people in the industry. And so I were actually, I'll drop some links here. I work with Eric. I cannot pronounce his last name for the life of me, but yeah, he's a crazy data guy. And so he's like, so he pointed me to data for SEO, for example, Kyle Williams does like domain, like bespoke domain scoring. So if you want someone that like understands this world, he's a great resource. On all my engagements, I work with, with safeprimer.com and they're a data provider of data providers. So they've already, they've done a lot of this work to sort of combine a bunch of this data. And I will link both of those folks in the chat here so you can connect with them if you like. But it's not like I'm out there in the you know middle of the desert sort of researching companies. These come across my radar because I will build go-to-market systems for companies. And in doing that, I have a pro- I have a job to be done. I have a problem to solve myself, which is like, how do I get data? How do I test this out in a low-cost way so that when I want to scale it, I know what that forecast looks like. And sometimes, you know, usually it's with data. I'm just starting to experiment what scale looks like with outsourcers, but that's kind of my process. Awesome, man. So it's, I guess I'm wondering if this is, so you, you've had number one, it is in your best interest to build a network full of these people that, that think this way yeah. and you're out there speaking of these things and, and therefore you get some inbound. Is there my head immediately goes to what's the watering hole where I can meet a bunch of dudes like you that know every single tool that I need to do this kind of thing. Like, is there, is, is there somewhere, like, is there a beacon where, what would you classify yourself as like a data scraper? Are you a a data guy, a data miner? Like what, what is, what is kind of like the, the place that one would go to encounter other people like you that solve this kind of problem? I mean, I have had a hard time finding other people that okay. think like me. I think that that's because I'm a founder creator. And so I straddle this weird sort of gap between like, it's not like I have to hit sales numbers so that I like, I have to run on this treadmill so that I can't think sort of more strategically. I also like I'm creating the systems and I have built them for other companies. So I straddle this really strange divide that doesn't exist in a, it doesn't really exist in a position today. And if you find people that think like me, usually they are like sales enablement folks or like, like rev ops folks. But yeah, so there's, there's our two, I'm not a, I'm not a category creator. That's, that's for sure. And actually to give you an, uh, if you want to like learn the most about this world, Guillaume has done a lot of the stuff. Like he was the first person I was inspired to, and he will not remember your name. So even if you meet him a hundred times, he will not remember your name. He's a great guy though, but he built the growth engine at segment and drift and the folks at gorgeous. Like if you look at anyone that used to work at gorgeous, they have a crazy growth engine too. Romain, their CEO talks a lot about this. So those are like two places that you can, their content is like really good. And then Scott Marker asked, like, you can see turnover in a position. How do you do that? So I think Scott, the way that you do this is you can look at people data labs and look at history of jobs and the length that they were in each job. So you could look at turnover that way. I think if you click on a company, LinkedIn will show you the growth and decline by department. And then you can scrape that page to understand what turnover looks like. And I think that that's by department. Interesting. So that's, is that a, do you have like LinkedIn sales navigator or anything like that? Or are you just talking about regular, regular old LinkedIn? Oh no, I think you have to have sales navigator. It's like on the insights page. And then there's like a bunch of tools to scrape LinkedIn, which is not, not my area. And actually you contact with, if, if you're looking to pull some of that data, con, con, connect with Eric and drop my name and he'll, I'm sure he'll point you in the right direction. He's a da- like, if you're talking about a data guy, Eric's a data guy. He's probably even further in the weeds than I, I mean, he, he is for sure further in the weeds than I am when it comes to exploring different data sources. Cause he's a, he's a crazy hacker. I'm going to give it a shot. Noah Slosky. Yeah. Noah. Oh. <laughs> Uh, well, actually, I better not because he's like, no, he's going to crack me. He, he does right. like he, he does some contract work for me. So it's like, I, I'm going to be pretty embarrassed if I don't know how to pronounce those things. So I'm going cool, to cool. we'll, we'll, we'll put his, uh, you shared his LinkedIn in the chat. We'll put it in the, in the show notes also for anybody listening in the podcast. You'll be able to, cool. you will, you'll be able to hook up with Eric. All right. So we answered Scott's question there. All right. A couple of questions here in the Q&A, right? Anonymous attendee 
asks, is I think this was when you were talking about your solution. Is this solution for companies with which work with early stage startups? I think that, you know, to to save you some time, you're you're a super expensive guy. So like it's not usually an early stage startup thing, but what we're talking about is this like line of thinking that you're able to you're able to develop this other way of outreach, but your tool itself blueprint, your typical client is? Yeah. So that's a good question. Generally we focus on folks that have product market fit because they just they have a better understanding about what what problem they're solving. They're not testing like, oh well, we don't know is it like are we selling to construction workers, janitors, uh, or SaaS founders, right? Like those are those are bad fits for us. We do have, you know, the, I guess the question was also asking about what types of data we have. We do have data on earlier stage startups. Most of my data is on the mid-market and it's 24K for the year for all you can eat company and job matches. And we basically will help you bucket keywords by pain. So we give a dump of all of the job descriptions that match your kind of main criteria. And then you can kind of explore them for how the market talks about your problem. So we had a customer, for example, that's like, we do contact scoring. And I'm like, we exported all of our database and not one company talks about contact scoring. So maybe you shouldn't sell that. Everyone talks about lead scoring. So it's like, that's maybe how you want to talk about the problem. And then within jobs that talk about lead scoring, they talk about build a lead model or connect with Marketo. Or so you can kind of, once you start reading enough of these job descriptions, you can kind of bucket problems into categories. And and that's the sort of SaaS product that we sell. You say you're not a category creator, but you you have clearly studied category design, right? Because you're you're all about evangelizing the problem. You basically just describe damning the demand of like, you know, talking one way, but then veering it the other way is, is category design and and those disciplines. Is that, is that present in the way that you approach your go-to-market and, or the way that you teach people on how to do this type of stuff? Well, I don't have enough background on that concept to answer the question as well as I probably should. But I think that the challenge that a lot of sales folks have is that they're on a treadmill and they're usually not, they don't get any training for that treadmill. And so they're put on a treadmill and they're told to go. And the other challenge that I think a lot of companies have too, is they have to generate pipeline now. Like, and so they, they don't generally think, well, how do I, how do I prepare to do this exceptionally well in three months and six months? They're like, no, I need to drive pipeline now. And so they don't, they don't usually invest enough resources in sort of long-term growth. I mean, this is SEO, right? This is why SEO works so well. It doesn't work at all until it works very well. So a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about is really what if you had breathing room and someone wasn't going to fire you for your lead numbers next month and you could invest time in systems and testing? And as my friend Sasha says, in sort of first principles, understanding of who has your problem and systematically going through things like channels and timing testing, you know, and understanding a little bit more so that you can really focus more of your efforts. Awesome, man. Awesome. Awesome. I think you're just, uh, if, 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 if you haven't read Play Bigger, I, I highly suggest it because you're going to find a, uh, a frame of thinking that is very intuitive to you in the way that you describe things and you go to market. All right. We got a couple of good Q and A's here that have some good context in it. I'm going to read them out. Let me know what you think. Don Bates, this will be, I think this is a little different, right? Don, Don is a solopreneur, right? So she has a seven week author course, which covers creating the author life you desire, business brand expansion strategies and merchandising the book, all the steps needed to get the book written and published as well as the most important life coaching elements all wrapped into seven workbooks and short training videos. My clients for this are who want to create social change by lending their voice and success to a human rights cause and those who are ready to step through the fear of being seen as an activist. What would you advise there? Wow, this is hard. The main challenge, as I see it here, is that most of what I'm talking about is like at the company level. Targeting people is more than an order of magnitude difficult because people move, they change, their life situation changes, they change jobs, they and there's just way, way, way more people than there are companies. And so like doing this sort of pain-based outbound at the people level is just much more challenging, especially if they're like solopreneurs or, or individuals. I think that the first types of things that come to my mind are how can you identify people that care about activism, right? So that might be like, I think follower wonk has some data on Twitter profiles. Like you can search in 
inside of someone's Twitter profile. So if I have only 160 or whatever the new character count is to describe who I'm probably going to talk about, a lot of those things is going to matter to me. And then I would figure out like, if you look at a perfect person that is like really a good fit or ideally the past people that have bought, what are they like? Are they talking about their change publicly in their life? Like, are they, have they just created a book? Like maybe it's on Amazon. Maybe you look at people that have just published a book on Amazon and have had no responses there. I don't understand enough about who you're targeting, but you need some framework here for how you identify people that even care about the problem. So this is this is challenging to build a list of like people in your ICP because they're just individuals, not companies. Harder, harder job. As as I'm leading into your way of thinking, Jordan, I'm I'm thinking is there is there any is there anything to the idea of something that can scrape Facebook profiles for people that talk a lot about certain causes or certain things that they that they care about versus job titles on LinkedIn to know that you are either like some level of executive or, you know, at a certain echelon in professional society and not actually talking about that in your professional life would then create kind of like that opportunity for Don to say, Hey, listen, you really care about this. Why don't, why don't you just plant this flag on the ground and make this part of your personal brand as a professional? Maybe that can help something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's right. And the way that you could do this too, is use an advanced Google search for searching like twitter.com and linkedin.com look at posts in the last like 48 hours, and then just start to explore keywords there. So people might talk about this as social activism. Like, I, I, I don't know much about this world, but like people talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and they call it DEI. And so if people are posting about DEI, that might be an interesting way to do it. You might also look at who are the companies that are sort of DEI companies that have like what are companies that have like warriors, people that work at the company because they are like, this is, you know, you don't work at AIDS life cycle because you want to get rich. No, you like work at it because you believe in that cause. So you might even start with like who works at non nonprofits that are like kind of socially aligned and who's been there and who thinks about that problem. And then I would, again, talk about inverse, like I would really try to figure out who's posting about these, oh, too afraid to actually put their name on a cause because their employability goes to the floor. So that might be interesting. So Don, what you might even do is like, look at people that don't describe themselves um, about social causes in their profile, but are like posting about them. Or, you know, like I've seen posts for people like, oh, or like I was afraid to speak out, but now I'm trying it. Like there's a lot of people that will say like, you know, I've just, I've, I've like looked at LinkedIn content for a long time and I'm trying to post for the first time. So you may find people that are just coming out of their shell and, um, you know, and start there. Awesome, man. I think that's really good. It's, it's a tough one, right? Like Don is a very active member of our, of our community. It's a tough nut to crack because she has these like extraordinary dynamics of like what this means for a person personally and, 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 you know, the, her, her client and whatnot. But I think that's pretty, pretty helpful. She says, thanks for all this, Jordan. I appreciate your ideas. Thank thanks, you, Don. Tom. All right. Jess Merrill. She's got a question here. She is I'm going to give you extra context on Jess because she is one of our new clients and she has a grant writing agency for nonprofits currently, right? Like it is, how do you outsource the idea of finding and writing and securing grants for certain types of nonprofits that are at a certain operational capacity and are solving for a specific, actually, no, I'm I'm getting too far ahead of it, but are at a certain operational capacity. And she's also moving the world into this idea that nonprofit fundraising, you know, philanthropic fundraising, creating impact, the whole system is inefficient, right? Like, so she is, she's looking to disrupt that. And we got some ideas of, of how we're going to go from that from to two in the narrative. But her question as, as she wrote it is, how would you reverse engineer the outbound message for nonprofit execs looking to build upon the success of their grant program and that it is a specialty role? So, so know that the the grant building program, somebody writing grants is a specialty role. Is there a way to target that pain in some way? And I, I added yeah. the extra context because I figured that it could inform even more of a strategic. Yeah. So again, this is where inversion thinking might help. If you have such a good understanding of the grants, I actually would lead with the grants that they could apply for. So what are the grants and how much money are they and how competitive are they? 
So I often talk about the goal of a good cold email is what are they going to forward independent if they reply to you? So like, what's an email so good that I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And so I would say that if you have such a good, like I would do the reverse and understand how can you get to know what are the biggest grants, the biggest opportunities that not many people are applying to, or that require like specialty information to like to apply to, or the rejection rate is high and actually say, Hey, you know, hey Larry, your business does this. Did you know that there's 2.6 million dollars in grants? 1.2 of that is really really hard to get. Most people get rejected for five very simple things. I noticed that you don't have a grant manager or I noticed that your grant manager focuses on this area which you could reverse engineer based on their historical job posting, right? So you could find how they talked about that grant position. But I would actually figure out not who to talk to and how to convince them. I would say, what do you know about grants and which specific grants? And then go find organizations that should apply for those grants and talk specifically about the opportunity and why they shouldn't do it themselves. Genius, genius. You said something in there that I want to, I would love Ryan to make a quote card out of this afterwards. That is, make your cold email outreach so good that it's forwardable. You know, like that idea of add so much value on the front end that the thing that you're leading with is something that they're going to want to share with people, whether or not they hire you or not, I think is absolute genius, man. Yeah. Yeah. That, and it's the bar, the bar is high. And so, but you just have to think instead of like trying to convince someone of something, right. Which, you know, it's like, Hey, let me like amp up the pain. That's a useful strategy, but it's even more useful to amp up the pain and then bring a solution to that pain in your first email. And so if instead of saying you should use us to write your grants, you can say, Hey, I noticed in your public prospectus that last year you raised $2. million. Did you know that, and you, and it looks like you spent a lot of money on events. And did you know that there are five grants outstanding with only 30 applicants that the National Science Foundation is like excited to grant, but they don't have enough applicants. We have achieved X amount of results for our other clients. Do you want us to help get this and, and double the amount of money you've raised from last year with, with grants alone? As I extrapolate this in the idea that we're we're launching this show for Jess called The Future of Impact, I'm thinking that then this means that having a show of like about specific grants that provide an opportunity and how to and how to achieve those opportunities creates some kind of pillar content that can then be forwarded as, hey, here's the podcast about it all, and here's the email on whatever, right? And and be able to, if you get proficient at identifying these pain points by using these tools that you espouse and the inversion thinking to get to them, you can then create a really compelling content strategy for your company of answering these pain points as the lead magnet that becomes the cold outreach. Well, well, and, but more important than that, I mean, think about this. If you know the, like, let's say you have a good worldview of the grants that are the most amount of money that most people get denied to for like basic administrative things, like not because your product is not great, but, oh, you forgot to check form 15B. And because you didn't do that, that they throw your application out, right? So what is the unique insight that you have that's like, oh, okay, well, these $80 million of grants, all of these grants are very easy to get everyone gets denied for dumb reasons and the application process is very simple. And then reverse engineer who you should go after, who qualifies for those grants and say, wow, my ROI to this company in the first week, I can get them a grant out. I can get 15 grants out and they have a very good chance of getting 10 million bucks. Those are who you should think about targeting, not how do you convince someone that I can help you find grants? No, go find the grants ahead of time and know why they're good, and then bring that information to your leads. Brilliant, bro. You just gave us a, a great little nugget for the strategy that we're doing with Jess here, man. I really, really appreciate that. Before we get out of here, man, first, I'd love to ask you a little technically of, you've mentioned Google Advanced Search, right? Like that's something, it, it feels like that's an underutilized resource in your eyes that people don't really that people don't really go to. What are the things we need to know as far as Google Advanced Search and like how to get to it and how to use it since you've mentioned yeah. it a couple of times? Well, Eric coined me this term. I didn't know it was a thing, but it's called Google dorking. And it's uh, people that do this, like that really use Google for crazy advanced tactics. And the other thing that you can look at is serpstat.com and they will actually go scrape Google search positions for you. By the way, once you start doing this, Google's like, are you a robot? So what you need to think about like 
just start with in URL or like site colon. So you just do site colon, type in one domain and play around and say, who has, uh, you know, who cares about like who has paternity leave? And then you can get even further. You could do like in URL uh, slash careers, right? So now, you know, you're targeting a specific domain or you're targeting just a slash URL, right? So now it's like kind of self-limiting the companies that have a careers page, right? And now you want to search that careers page. You could say uh, words like uh, unlimited time off, right? So like I like one of the queries I did is no meeting Fridays. So how do I find just companies that have no meeting Fridays so I can send my newsletter to them on Fridays uh, <laughs> uh, or whatever, right? Like that's the type of thing that you can do. But go to your ideal prospects, look at some of the keywords they use, and then go to Google and see if you can find more companies that talk like they talk. Love that, man. Uh, I just Googled Google dorking and immediately there's like a Google dorking tutorial. There's like all, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sure that's a fertile YouTube rabbit hole, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm also excited because I've been wanting to use the word dork more often. I want to <laughs> bring it back. I think it's a great word. Jordan, what is, you know, how can we help you, man? What's a good intro for you? What are you oh. seeking right now that we, you know, we got 10 people here. There's going to be like another 10 that listen on the podcast. So what's a good intro for you, man? What what are you seeking these days? Yeah. So I just launched my SaaS offering like, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. And so the main folks that I'm looking to chat with are sales and revenue leaders, sales, revenue, and marketing leaders at companies that have product market fit that are looking to open up new sales or marketing channels. Those are folks that are the best fit for me. And like even if they don't end up being a customer, those are those are great folks. I'm also about to release a uh, a course that teaches what I'm talking about today. So it'll be a, I don't know, eight-module eight course that goes over some of these types of thinking, different playbooks you can think about. So please do connect with me on LinkedIn. And um, uh, and if that's something that's interesting to you, like hit me up. And when it's ready, I'd love to uh, send you a link to, to get some preview. Amazing, man. Amazing. Uh, sign me up for becoming a Google dork myself. I'm in. And anything else, man? Is there anything else that I haven't asked you that that you think is uh, important to this conversation or anything you want to share? Yeah. I mean, I would say that I have another mindset trick here is like, get away from work, but on work's time. So one of the things that I benefit from the most is like going out to the beach on a Friday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, and thinking about if I were to do my job in a different way, how would I do it? If I were, and this was some thinking that I think Andy wrote, one of the ex-CEOs of Intel, he said that if we were fired tomorrow, what would the new CEO come in and do? And that's a question you should ask yourself. If I was fired tomorrow and they hired someone to replace me, what would that person do? And that is a good thinking technique to get you kicked out of a cycle of complacency where you're doing the thing you do today because you did it yesterday. So that just might be a piece of advice to help you reframe the problem. I love that, man. I, I wish we could go more into different mental frameworks that you have. I, I just recently heard on on Lockhead's Follow Your Different Podcast. He was a guy that wrote a, a book on like a new way to think kind of thing. And he gave a framework that was... If you had to, you know, if you had to liquidate your company and start over and you could only bring with it, bring, bring with you one thing that they did well and one thing that your competitor did well, how would you restart the company? Right. Like, how would you go at that? And he says that that's a good way to kind of like create a link to the, if you give people too much of a blank slate, it's too much of a mental lift. But if you give them a couple links of like something that I have that I like and something somebody else has they like, they're able to fill in gaps. Yeah, that's a great. Another good one is contrast theory. So like, like have something to contrast against. Like if you're job searching, doesn't matter what the job is. Do not take your first offer. Get multiple offers because you're like, oh my gosh, I was undervalued by 30%. Even though this is a perfect job, like now you have some understanding about what the market thinks about your skill set. So if you're making any large choice in life, make sure that you have alternatives to compare things against. Jordan Crawford. This was awesome, man. I am, uh, I am just super, super pumped that you and I got to connect, uh, listen to you on the B2B growth show, uh, reached out. Cause I thought you were that smart, right? Like I'm, I'm just like the other Jordan in the, uh, in the chat that just started kind of stalking me, man. I really appreciate the opportunity to connect the stuff that you speak about, right? Like you might not, you might not call yourself a category designer, but like the way that you were evangelizing this thing, 
and the way that you are leading with service and uh, and 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 how you think about business, I encourage anybody to just get on a call with you to just pick your brain about anything. Because every time I've I've thrown any kind of curveball in your direction, you just have this like amazing repertoire of um, perspective and skill set and language and all these different things, man. So I just really, really appreciate you coming on the show, uh, being a part of this thing, man. And uh, I hope that uh, we get to, you know, be friends for a long time. Coming oh, yeah. Here. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. I'm going to go get a cookie. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure I just rethought my whole outbound marketing and sales strategy based on this conversation. If you want to hear another conversation like this, maybe you want to hear the other side of it, the persona side of it. Uh, Joe Martin on episode 151 is really good at explaining personas, and there's a ton of value in that as well, right? Like we position these shows as like one thing versus the other, but what you need to do is really combine the best of all worlds to fit your strategy. So check out episode 151 with Joe Martin. Uh, Coming up next is my number one takeaway from this thing. But real quick, before we get there, just want to invite you to the next couple of conferences that I am for sure going to be at. And they just happen to be conferences that I'm going to be emceeing and speaking at. The first one is Donnie Boyvin's Badass Business Summit. That's September 22nd to the 24th in Fort Worth, Worth, Texas. (laughs) You can tell this is a live read. That conference is about small businesses, right? Like there's like travel agents, insurance agents, and, you know, businesses up to like about 10 million bucks in that audience. Donnie is an expert in sales and in referrals, the way that he speaks of it. I love it. He's been on a past episode. Go check out Donnie Boyvin's episode here on my show. And his partner, Kevin, is a master of scale and processes. So it's going to be super duper valuable. Upcoming, I'm going to be interviewing other speakers from that summit. So you get a good sense of it. Would love to see you there. Badass Business Summit, September 22nd to the 24th. And after that, it's my friend Jesse Lane's conference. And I am working with him strategically right now to put the whole thing together. I'm going to be emceeing and speaking at it. It is October 22nd to 23rd in Jacksonville. And the theme of that one is going to be looks like the eight-figure contractor. Jesse's a guy that's built the fastest growing company here in Jacksonville, and it's a contractor that he has taken from low, you know, million dollar revenues to I think he's somewhere around like 25 right now. And he's done it through social media and marketing and all these different things that contractors don't think. So if you are in the construction game, the real estate game and investing game, right? Like this is going to be a really valuable conference that's going to teach you about that small business mentality of growing past 10 million, leveraging today's digital assets. Jesse's even launching like NFTs. He's a contractor launching an NFT project. I, I just think it's fascinating. And most importantly, it's going to be in Jacksonville, my city, the city that I love. If you come, I'll take you surfing. How about that? And finally, last thing is my takeaway from this show. Uh, I thought that that Cat Cat mentality was really, really interesting. I don't know if you caught that acronym, but CatCat basically stands for the companies that you're going to target, the ABM play, right? That's account-based marketing, this idea that you are um, tailoring messaging specifically to how they speak. You can listen to Kelly Shermerhorn in a past episode talking about that. The title of the person, right? It's really important that you're dealing with the person with the right title, the channel you approach them through. Uh, engineers hate email, They like different things, right? So figure out where your people like to be communicated on. For me, it's text or DM via social. If you send me an email, it's going to fall into like a echoing crevasse. The approach, right? What are you actually approaching with? What is that thing of value that you're approaching with? Not just like, hey, come take, I get this all the time, right? Like it's like, oh, can I get a 15 minute meeting? And I'm like, no, dude, my time is super, super valuable. Like you're going to have to send me something that makes me already win with something or or give me some kind of win-win that I can agree to so that it's not just subtracting time from my schedule. What So approach is huge. And then timing is enormous. Knowing where they're at in the cycle, whether it makes sense for them. For me, this whole relationship flywheel thing, uh, it really just targets the 
approach and channel piece, right? So as we figure out the companies that we are uh, trying to do work with and really learning their messaging and figuring out who we need to talk to and our channel is linked in most of it, it's the idea of, hey, I can invite you to be a guest on my show. That's attractive. I can invite you to be an audience member on a show of somebody and some topic that you'd love to learn from. That's another one. Or I can invite you to our relationship-driven growth strategy sessions if you just want to get in here and you know figure out how some of this outreach stuff, some of this like relationship building for business development stuff can work for you and hear others doing it, right? Very low friction asks. It's a low friction approach that people find value in off the front end. You heard Jordan say it. And then the timing thing is just kind of staying in front of them, right? Because I distribute all this micro content because we are constantly available on LinkedIn and posting across every piece of social media, then when the timing is right, people are going to opt in. So that's kind of how my framework fits into this cat cat framework. But for you, you just got to figure out a way to make it work for you. And if you're struggling with that, you need a little bit of extra context, maybe I can help you out, man, I would love it if you join the live show and or just show at the end of the show for the relationship-driven growth strategy sessions. Every single week, I'm showing up with two to three things that we are seeing working for us, things that we have learned right at that in the last week, in the last moment, and is working for our clients. We're sharing that, and then we're taking questions from anybody that's there. People are generally launching podcasts, figuring out how to find their right market, figuring out good social media strategies, trying to figure out the best um, strategy for like a conference that they're going to, right? That whole intersection of relationship building, content, and community. We're having an amazing set of community members showing up and asking really, really great questions. We'd love to introduce you to them and uh, we'd love to meet you and add value to your life in any way I can. Register for the link in the show notes. And I'm not letting you go without thanking my team. Number one, I want to thank Rowan, who is my personal account manager. She helps coordinate this show and put it all out there. I want to help JP, who does all the technical execution, all the creative, all the graphics. I want to thank Gina, who is our chief heart officer and the absolute heart of our culture. I want to thank Marge, who is her right hand and the one that keeps it all together for everybody else. I want to thank Joyce. I want to thank Joanna as superstar account managers. I want to thank my partner, Isar, of course, who brought this big vision to life so far, how we can keep all these moving parts organized. I want to thank Nicola for doing all the writing and our newest content strategist, Rita. Until next time, don't forget, relationships over transactions always.